Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. The leaders of the world's 20 largest economies are meeting in Rome this weekend for the G20 conference, and several, including Joe Biden, are stopping in to see the Pope. So, what happens when a Pope meets a president? I'm Colleen Dully. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from rather rainy Rome, Colleen. We're expecting rain much, much of this week. Well, the good news is that you uh, don't have to leave the house today. You're recording from home instead of our studio. And I'm happier with that too. Good. All right. Well, there are some people who are moving around in Rome this week. Uh, Pope Francis met with German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier on Monday, October 25th, and the Vatican has confirmed that he'll meet with President Biden and President Moon Jae-in of South Korea on Friday. All these leaders are in town for G20, which is the meeting of the world's 20 largest economies, and they're all also expected to continue on to Glasgow for the COP26 climate conference that we were just talking about. That starts on Sunday. There have also been some reports in the Indian press that Narendra Modi, who is the prime minister of India, might also meet the Pope early next week. Do we have any news from the Vatican on on that possibility yet? Yes, I have got confirmation that he will meet the Pope. This is the first time that the president of the largest democracy in the world uh, is meeting the Pope. It's uh, the second most populous country in the world today, India. And... Uh, in some years' time, it will have the largest population in the world. Unlike China, which is an aging population, India has a very young population. Uh, the Pope has expressed a desire to go to India. He said it publicly. And the Vatican and the Indian Church have been trying to get uh, an invitation from President Modi. He's always said yes, but he has never actually formalized the invitation. So this is a big breakthrough for him to come to meet the Pope before the meeting with the G20. Right. So we'll talk more a little later about the things that Modi and the Pope might want to discuss together. We'll actually go through each of these leaders and and talk about what kind of topics they might want to broach with the Pope. But let's zoom out a little bit. We have these big leaders from Germany, Korea, the US, India coming to see the Pope. What exactly happens in these visits, Jerry? It's a very high security visit, first of all, because all these leaders are very important figures in their own country. The Italian security accompanies them as far as the Vatican. Then they drive in to the Vatican. They arrive at the 
Cortile, that's this courtyard of San Damaso, which is right under the papal windows. It's a little square, and they are met by a platoon of Swiss guards. This is always the sign of honor for the visiting head of state. The flag of the Vatican and the flag of the visiting state is over the entrance. And the regent of the papal household, Monsignor Leonardo, will greet the, the head of state on arrival. He will then accompany him into the lift and they go to the second floor. And then they walk through corridors painted by Raphael and others. And the head of state will be uh, escorted by Swiss guards to the Pope, preceded by the gentlemen of the papal household, with about 10 or 12 of them. And they walk in procession. It's a very impressive thing. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of pomp and circumstance and maybe also a busy day on Friday for the person who has to change out that flag. Yeah, it's going to be a busy day for the Pope. He will meet then President Moon at 10, and he will meet uh, President Biden at 12. Okay, so they get into the actual room, and sometimes there are reporters there, but then what happens? They walk through the corridors, through the uh, Sala Clementina, which is a beautiful big Vatican hall, and then they arrive at the antechamber to the papal apartment. The Pope comes out of the door of the papal library, and he shakes hands with the president, usually in front of television cameras and the media. But now it will only be the Vatican media because since the pandemic, the foreign media is not allowed in. Okay. And that library that they meet is that white room that we usually see pictures of like world leaders sitting with the Pope in. They're usually like next to a desk. Yes. And the head of state always sits at the table in front of the Pope. Hmm. Other visitors sit on the side like Nancy Pelosi 10 days ago. And then there is the private audience. And this lasts from any time from 20 minutes to maybe, I think it was 50 minutes with Obama. Wow. Obviously, there will be a translator because they will have got different languages. But often the time is significant because it will reflect the depth of the conversation. And there's also an exchange of gifts, right? I know that the French uh, president was there, or the prime minister, a while ago and, and gave the Pope a signed Messi jersey. So where do the gifts come in? After the private audience has ended, the Pope rings a bell and then the cameras come in again and you have the exchange of gifts. But first of all, the head of state presents his delegation to the Pope. So whoever is accompanying, for example, President Biden, will at that point be presented to the Pope, each one by one. Then they move to a table where the gifts are placed and they exchange the gifts. We don't know yet what those gifts are. After the exchange of gifts, the Pope goes back with the head of state uh, under a, a painting of the resurrection. And then the Pope gives a gift to each of the delegation that has accompanied the president, starting with the president and his wife. Got it. And what kind of gift is it? Well, it can be a rosary. It can be a medal. It depends. Once they receive their gift, that member of the delegation leaves. And the last to leave is, of course, the president and the Pope accompanies him to the door of the library. 
So we know that for President Biden's visit and the other visits on Friday, there won't be any press in the room. But after the meeting, each side will release a short summary of what they talked about. Obviously, this is like the meat of the conversation. The White House has already released a statement for Biden's visit saying that the Pope and the president will discuss ending the pandemic, tackling the climate crisis, and caring for the poor. So after the break, we'll take a look at what the Pope will want to cover in his meetings with President Biden, President Moon, and Prime Minister Modi. Stay with us. So, what happens when the doors close and it's just the Pope and the President? These are big meetings. I think the conversation is very important. For example, roll back to President Obama's visit to Pope Francis in 2014. They discussed there, we now know, the question of Cuba and the United States and how to bridge that gap. That's right. And then we went on to see the Vatican broker a kind of reconciliation between them. They each come and they know where the other stands on issues. What is of interest to the Pope? We know what the White House has said. Uh, Obviously, migration, going to be a big issue. Secondly, climate change. Thirdly, poverty. But fourthly, the pandemic. Because the United States has, and the same will be true when he meets the Indian president, they have the vaccines. And Africa, for example, Less than 4% of the African population has even one dose. So this is a big concern. Now, obviously, we know the Pope very well. The Pope is not going to go get into uh, problems of arguments with any of these leaders. He will be looking for points of encounter, points where they feel he reaches the heart of the president or the head of state, and they can speak from the heart to him. There is no record of these meetings. We know a little of what goes on from what maybe the president will say in a press conference afterwards, or maybe what the Pope might say at a future press conference. But really, there is no record. Right. Sometimes we get these very brief statements saying just a few topics they touched on, but that's usually all we get. Well, let's be very clear, because there's been a lot of misinterpretation about what the Vatican puts out. There's usually an agreement in advance between the Vatican and the visiting head of state or his team that they will issue a statement. Now, they will touch on different things in these meetings. The Pope will have the issues that are close to his heart that he will want to deal with. Sometimes people look in these press statements and said, ah, is the word like abortion in it? And if it isn't, some people get really upset. I think it is really naive to think that the Pope and the president are going to discuss abortion. Hmm. Why do you say that? They know each other's position. Mm -hmm. The Pope has made clear in answer to my question, for example, on the plane, what he thinks about it. If the president wishes to raise something with him, that's another question. But the point of the meeting, the limited time they have, they will want to focus most on the issues where 
they can find agreement where some significant steps can be urged or encouraged or even accepted. You know, every time we think about uh, the Pope and the president together, this issue of communion and the U.S. bishops kind of divide on on that comes up, uh, this question of giving communion to pro-choice politicians that's been such a flashpoint in the U.S. church for, gosh, more than a year now. Do you think that this will come up or do you think that it will like have any effect on the U.S. bishops November meeting where this is probably going to be discussed? I don't have a crystal ball and I wouldn't even dare to think through the minds of the American bishops when they will meet in mid-November. But they will have, by then, a video to see how the Pope has interchanged with President Biden. They will have seen the reaction, and I expect that reaction will be a very positive reaction. We've seen the Pope and Nancy Pelosi, and I do not expect it will be any different with President Biden. President Moon Jae-in will be discussing efforts to boost peace on the Korean Peninsula when he meets Pope Francis at the Vatican next week. It's part of a week So shifting gears to the Pope's meeting with President Moon from South Korea, the pandemic is almost certainly going to come up. We know that South Korea has really high vaccination rates, but also that the rollout there has been a little bit controversial. It's really difficult for foreigners living in Korea to get vaccines. But the more pressing issue for South Korea, and this is something that the Pope is following closely, is the increasing tensions with North Korea and with China. So Jerry, can you tell us about the situation that South Korea is in and what the Pope's particular concerns here are? I would say two things. First of all, like President Biden is the second Catholic president of the United States, Mm -hmm. President Moon is the second Catholic president of South Korea. Hmm. Both President Moon and President Biden have real concerns about China. And it's uh, seemingly belligerent tendencies in recent times. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. Let's, Let's give some background. Well, South Korea is very close to China. Its economy has, depends a lot on China. Tensions are really complicate the whole, both the economy of the country, but also the whole of the region. Right. My, my understanding here is that China really wants to increase its regional power. And right now it's kind of flexing its economic muscle to, to get basically South Korea to do more of what it wants. Like China's not happy that South Korea has U.S. Uh, missile technology, they've retaliated by, you know, making things economically harder for South Korea in their interactions. Like my sister's a big K-pop stan, and she she said that K-pop bands are banned from touring in China, and that's a big hit for the South Korean economy. Yes, but the bigger problem is that China has the key to the possibility of peace between North Korea and South Korea, and the possibility of unification. Right which is something that South Korea wants. South Korea would want unification. Uh, China is, is, is a big factor here, and I think it shouldn't be underestimated. And uh, the fact that the Korea is divided is a problem for both the people of North and South and the, the problem for, for world peace. We don't have a truce in that country. 
We don't have a peace agreement. Yeah, I only learned this recently that that the war was only ended with an armistice, like a ceasefire, rather than an actual treaty. And so President Moon is a big advocate of developing a treaty between North and South Korea. Yeah, and President Moon, the last time he met Pope Francis, he brought a message from the North Korean leader expressing a willingness for Francis to come to North Korea. Francis said, yes, but let them formalize it. North Korea has never formalized it. Whether there is more to come from this visit, we have to see. This would be a very big step forward because to go into North Korea, where there are maybe one, 200 Christians, it, it would be a peace mission. Nobody is putting any bets on this, but one doesn't really know what could develop. Because in a moment of tension in Asia, in the world, where the United States are in tension with China, China is a big factor here. We have to see what's, what could develop. And the Vatican's in an interesting position because it does have this dialoguing relationship with China. Now, there's different opinions of how strong that is and how much sway the Pope actually has. But the fact is that between the Vatican and China right now, there is a relationship that they're trying to keep open. And so that has a possible impact on the situation with North Korea because China and North Korea are so close. Certainly, China will be watching what happens this weekend when the Pope meets these three presidents. It's also important for us to mention when we're talking about South Korea that Catholics make up about 11% of the population there. And that's increased by almost 50% in the last 20 years. So it's actually kind of surprisingly a place where Catholicism is growing. And that's something that I'm sure that the Pope has his eye on. So let's talk now about what topics might be on the table when the Pope meets with Prime Minister Modi from India. We know that the pandemic and vaccination is almost definitely going to be uh, on the table. We know that India, despite making a lot of the vaccines, has really low vaccination rates and that you know has striations when it comes to caste, when it comes to social class there. But what else is on the table, Jerry? I think obviously the question of a papal visit to India, because the Pope has expressed his uh, wish to go to India. The Indian church want the Pope to go there. John Paul II went there. Paul VI went there. Secondly, I think there's the big question of the relations between the different religions. Modi has been very strong in supporting the kind of Hindu nationalism. Islam is the second largest faith in India, and Christianity is the third. The minority religions, Islam, Christianity, and then, of course, Buddhism, etc., they have really had a difficult time. There has been a certain level of attacks on them, almost persecution in some areas, depending on the particular zone. The Christians, by and large, and this is true also for the Catholics, have come from the lower castes. There is a fear among the Hindus, and this is driving some of the opposition uh, from the Hindu nationalism, is that Christianity could change the caste system for the country. Christians have tended in the past to vote for the other party, the Congress party. A very small percentage of them have voted for Modi's party. Modi realizes that we're talking maybe about 30 
25 to 30 million Christians, of whom perhaps 18 million are Catholic in the country. How does that stack up in terms of population? Well, the population is 1.2, 1.3 billion. So it's, it's a very small percentage. But I think the most important is the symbol of Modi, President Modi, coming to shake hands with Pope Francis. Right. I mean, these are two leaders who see things very, very differently in many ways. Well, we have to see. It will be their first meeting. And Pope, Pope Francis says, you know, I look into his eyes hmm. and try to understand what's in his heart beyond what he's saying. And this is how the Pope deals in these encounters with heads of state. Mm -hmm. And often a chemistry can develop that is not expected and that can have surprising results. And so we've seen this in a number of occasions. And so we, we cannot anticipate how the thing will go out. But the visit of President Biden is very welcome in the Vatican. The visit of President Modi is really very welcome. And the visit of the South Korean president is welcome. This is the great morning for the Pope, because the three could have come to the G20 meeting and not visited him. And other presidents have asked to come, but uh, there's no time. Religious leaders from around the world have issued a joint appeal for international politicians to agree to a new global deal to combat climate change. Christian, Buddhist, Muslim and Jewish leaders were among those attending the gathering at the Vatican hosted by the Pope. For their now, Jerry, there is one last piece of news that we should talk about this week, which is that the Pope will not actually be visiting the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow that a lot of these world leaders who are stopping in are going to go on to, to visit. We had spoken a few weeks ago about how the Pope really wanted to go. He was anticipating going. He even told a Spanish radio station that his speech was being written. But now he's not going. Do we know what changed? My understanding is the Pope sat with all the representatives of the main world religions here in the Vatican two weeks ago. Right. This was that big meeting we talked about. They signed together there in the Hall of Benedictions, they signed an appeal which they had worked out over the previous nine months, appeal on the climate conference to the governments at the climate conference. And the Pope handed that appeal to the president of the UN conference in Glasgow, the British minister. Right. He came to the Vatican and, and was part of this whole ceremony. He came to the Vatican. He was given this text. Now, I, my own opinion is that the Pope did not wish to step outside this uh, religious consensus, putting himself beyond all the religions of the world by having something else to say, which he could have said there. I, I, this is how I read it. I do not believe it is a question of health. We see that he's carrying out such a busy agenda in this period, and he's going to Greece and Cyprus at the beginning of December. I think it is more out of his respect for the significance of the other religions, that to, together they're sending all the religions of the world, all of them, none excluded, are sending a major message to that conference. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And now the reason that we have to say that it's your opinion is that we've heard very little from the Vatican about this, though. I was at this conference this weekend uh, on on Zoom with Sister Alessandra Smirilli, who is the interim secretary of the Vatican's Integral Human Development Office. And she said, you know, she didn't give any reason for the Pope not going, but she said that his message that he signed with the religious leaders was meant to be his message to COP26, that she was not really anticipating him giving any other speech. But of course, there has been speculation that it may be health-related because the Pope had told that Spanish radio station that he had every intention of going to Glasgow if his health permitted. And so now that that's changed, that raises some questions about health. But yeah, the, the Vatican hasn't commented, which is a little bit unusual, right? Well, the Vatican expresses what the Pope wants to be said. And obviously, he didn't want anything else to be said. And we remember from when he was in the hospital that he's a little bit guarded and very much does not like speculation around his health. So that it makes sense that he would be pretty much mum on this. The general consensus here in the Vatican, from the many people I've spoken to, it's not a health issue. Got it. All right. Jerry, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me about all of this. I especially like getting to talk with you about China and India because you spent so long covering those. So thanks for sharing your expertise with us. Thank you, Colleen. One quick news update before we go. On Wednesday morning, the Vatican announced that Pope Francis will visit Canada. The trip will likely take place next year, and the Holy See said that the trip is taking place, quote, in the context of the long-standing pastoral process of reconciliation with indigenous peoples. This has been a huge issue in Canada as the nation and the church have grappled with the discovery of thousands of bodies of indigenous children on the grounds of residential schools. Many of those schools were operated by the Catholic Church. The Pope will meet with residential school survivors at the Vatican in December, and one question that remains for that visit and for this trip is whether the Pope will issue an apology for the Church's involvement in the schools. There have been mounting calls for an apology ever since the graves were discovered last summer. We'll have more on that story at americamagazine.org, and you can find a link to an initial report in the show notes. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Sound engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. Production assistance from Ricardo Da Silva and Kara Hanlon. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. To support our work on the show, the best thing you can do is to subscribe to America Magazine. You can purchase a digital subscription at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. Thanks. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.